This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We're in Psalm chapter 60 this morning, reached another milestone. Uh, Psalm chapter 60 is, is 40% through through the book of Psalms. That's pretty neat. Like I've said before, I talked through the book of Psalms a couple of times before, but mainly it was I just picked out 15, 10, 15, 20 Psalms, and then we went through those. We didn't go through the whole book. I've never actually talked through the whole book of Psalms, and this has been an adventure for me. And really, this is probably the only environment in which you could do something like that doing an early morning bible study or doing a daily devotion or something like that because uh well the, the book of psalms is so long if you did it on a weekly basis it'd take three years and and the truth is probably take you a lot longer than that uh considering all the things that take place during the year so it would be a four or five year process on a weekly basis it is exciting to have an opportunity to teach through a book that normally you would not ever teach through it says that this is this is a psalm set to the set to Lily of the testimony, Mitchum of David, and that's the Mitchum of David for teaching when he fought against the Mesopotamian and Syrian of Zobah and Joab returned and killed twelve thousand Edomites in the Valley of Salt, and so this is a plea by by David in the midst of really what was a major military campaign that he was dealing with as king. He says, O God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. Oh, restore us again. And oftentimes in the midst of, of either, and, and you need to really understand, this is how your feelings sometimes can oftentimes misinform you as to the circumstances of the moment or the hour. Remember, our feelings and our emotions can be very important in allowing us to see the gravity or understand the importance of the moment or the situation, but oftentimes they can misinform us because the same feelings and emotions that relate that will relate to things that are, are totally opposite. Like you have a feeling of you, you have the you have the emotional outburst of crying uh, and the feeling of, of crying both at something very wonderful and then both at, and then at something that's very it's wonderful and then also when something is terrible somebody passes you have joy and sorrow in the same situations and oftentimes you'll talk to people and they'll talk about having uh, uh, sorrow of losing someone but they had struggled against something and been in such pain and and difficulty and then there's joy in them being relieved of that pain and, and, and suffering as I say, that your emotions are not what you use to inform yourself of the situation. God has given us a mind and he's given us the ability to reason with him and to think through a certain situations. And oftentimes we feel like God has abandoned us. He, he has, he does remove the joy of his spirit when we're in sin. He does that, but also he does that 
sometimes we feel abandoned by him when we're in the midst of a struggle which he has intentionally put us in so that he could hone and grow and make make complete our so that he could hone and grow our gifts and our talents and make us more make us into a conqueror make us into an overcomer he he does those things for the purpose of allowing us to expand our possibilities because if the human sin nature is just left to to its own device it will not allow the human to grow or become it it divulges it it it, it doesn't increase or become better it, it causes society to divulge into nothingness and leastness and rather than having the very best what you end up to having is everybody equally having nothing and so he says oh god you have cast us off you have broken us down you have been displeased oh restore us again and and what he's saying is restore us to the place where you would have you want us to be but you got to remember the bible says of king david that when he was anointed king of israel that the spirit of god came upon him and never left him it says the spirit of god came upon him and never left him see his feelings are that he's been cast off that he's been broken down and that's the result of god's displeasure and god has displeasure for our sin but you got to remember he's already accounted for that he's already taken care of that He's already factored that in the equation of life. And so when you see here him, David emoting, he's saying these emotions, these feelings that he's having in all actuality, in what God has said and actually done in David's life, it's not true. It's not true, but he is feeling it. And so he feels it and it causes him to act and do in a certain way even though it's out of line with what God has already promised him and said he was going to do for him. And so he says, you have made the earth tremble. You have broken it. Heal its breaches for it is shaking. And oftentimes we as Christians, when we look around in the world that we live in, when we look around and we see things tend to be going toward total chaos. And, and in my lifetime, this is definitely one of those times that that has happened. But I would say to you that that in our country's lifetime, it is not. It's, it's not. The 1960s were very turbulent. They were very. They had. There were riots all across the country. There were. There were. There was upheaval everywhere. Obviously, the uh, difficulties of the 1940s and World War II and the 19, the, the teens and on into the early 20s with uh, World War One, We've had upheaval and struggles and difficulties and problems and, and all in the process of becoming a very great and powerful nation, a very, a very good nation, struggling through our own natural issues that we had in our founding and, and human beings always do. Oftentimes when we look around, we see these are the worst times that have ever been. And, and they're really not. They're not the worst times that have ever been. They're, they're just the worst times that you've been through lately. And, and so David is looking around saying, these are the worst times that have ever been. You've made the earth tremble. You've broken it. Heal its breaches for it is shaking. What he's saying is the whole earth seems like it's just going to coach. All of everything is about to come totally apart. And remember, when God shakes something, he doesn't shake it to destroy it. He shakes it to fix it. And when God works on something, oftentimes whatever he's working on feels like the pressure and the power and the change is going to overwhelm them and overcome them, but it's not true. 
He says, you have shown your people hard things. You've made us drink the wine of confusion. And, and, and you tell me that these first three verses do not uh, appropriately speak to the time and the hour that we live in today. And David is mouthing, he's writing things that we could say our very self over the last several months of our lives. It seems like the whole earth and the fabric of all society is being ripped apart. Listen to me. The powers and the forces of darkness that are at work and are allowed to be at work in the world are minuscule compared to the just the simple breath of God's uh, nostrils. They're minuscule to the very twinkling of the eye of Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit uh, is in total power and total control still. And even though it seems like everything's being torn apart, that's not true. He says, you've given those, you've given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of the truth. What he's saying, uh, what he's saying, uh, what he's saying is you've even allowed your enemies to, to, to prosper and to stand up and to make a show of themselves and, and acted like they're victorious. That's raising a banner is really it has several connotations and meanings, but the main reason for raising a banner is for victory. And, and we do that in sports. So if you win the Super Bowl, you get to hang a, you get to hang something into the stadium that says Super Bowl champion. If you win a, a, a basketball championship, you get to hang a banner in the rafters. Or, and you've seen that in colleges and high school, all over the place. And, and, and it has the connotation of victory. And what he's saying is not only is everything falling apart, but it seems to be that you've allowed the enemies, you've allowed the enemy to raise a banner. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. You've given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of the truth. What he's saying is that you've given us the truth and you should be giving us victory, that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand. And, and I wasn't wrong about the idea that it seems like the enemy is victorious in the midst of things, but you got to remember our victory is a it's not a temporal victory. It's an eternal victory. Just because the seasons change doesn't mean that our victory has changed. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. He says, God has spoken in his holiness. Notice David says, everything's terrible, but you've given us a complete and eternal victory and you have spoken in your holiness. I will rejoice. He says, I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. And, and every one of these, these different lines here where he talks about the different victories that God's given is a enemy of Israel that has been an enemy of Israel since the days they came out of Egypt. And so when he says, I will rejoice, I will divide Shechem. That's, a, that's an area on the other side of the Jordan River that they had troubles from those people. He says, and measure out the Valley of Succoth. And I've always loved the name Succoth. In our language, that is, that's King James for, you can just see, it's the Valley of Succoth. And that's where, that's, that's where the people, it's, it's near Shechem. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. What he's saying is, I, I control the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. Ephraim also is the helmet of my head. Notice he's saying, I I have power not only in the south, and that's where David was from, and not only was it David's, where David's from, he was named king of the southern part of the of Israel before he was named king of all of Israel or anointed king of all of Israel. What he's saying is, I have the things over the Jordan River. I have power over the things in the northern 
areas of this country. I have power over the things in the southern areas of this country. He says, Judah is my lawgiver. Ephraim also is the helmet of my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpite. And the Moabites lived across the Jordan River and, and Israel had trouble with them when they uh, came from, when they uh, came into uh, the promised land. He said, they're my washpot. I wash my, I wash the dirt off my body with them. Over Edom, I will cast uh, my shoe. And Edom is Edom are the uh, the are the descendants of Esau, Esau's children. And so, and Philistia sh shout in triumph because of me. Notice he's saying, I have not only the powers of the things within the kingdom that you've given me, but I have power over the things outside the kingdom. Philistia on the west, and Edom and Moab on the east. And he's understanding that. <clears throat> Even though his feelings in verse one, two, and three seem to indicate that everything is going, well, it's going haywire, it's going astray. He, he comes back in verse four and five and says, I have an eternal victory that uh, you have given me. And that victory is, doesn't change and it doesn't go away. And so <clears throat> in your holiness, you have said these things. <clears throat> and he says, I will rejoice in them. <clears throat> He says, Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is also my head, Judah, what he's, as he's going through that, he is going through the areas of Israel, the major areas of Israel and saying, God has given me these things. And so he is, he is reaffirming in his own heart the promises of God and the victories that God has already given us. We oftentimes get real focused on the promises of God and forget the prior victories of God. Because the prior victories of God are just as important as the promises of God because the prior victories of God inform us as to what's going to happen in the future. They, they give us a roadmap of how God has and will operate in our lives. He said, I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. He says, Ephraim also is the helmet of my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom, I will cast my shoe. Philistia, that, that's a very negative thing to cast his shoe. It means, to, if y'all remember when we went into Iraq for the first time, a lot of the Iraqis, when Saddam Hussein's statue fell down, they were taking their shoes and hitting him in the face and hitting his statue with it. It is, it is the idea that you're less than, you're, you're less than dirt to me. He, he says, uh, Philistia shouts in triumph, who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? Notice what he's saying. Even though it seems like that everything is going wrongly, and even though it seems that, that everything is being shaken, I know I have eternal victory, and I know that you've given me all these victories in the past that I can look to and, and understand. And so when I come to this place where I'm dealing with the Edomites and I'm dealing with these, with the, I'm dealing with the Syrians and, and the armies out of Mesopotamia, he says, is it not you, O God, who cast us off and you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help and trouble. Give us help from trouble for help of a man is useless. What he's saying is I'm going back in my heart and back in my thought and back in my memories. And I understand 
that no matter how big and great the army is, remember David's major um, failure as a leader was not his issue with Uriah the Hittite and having him killed so that so that he could ba have Bathsheba. His major issue as far as a leader was when he counted his army, which meant he was trying to figure out how powerful he was. And God never told him to count his army. And God uh, punished him and punished the army for that. What, what And the reason for that is, is that God was always the source of David's victory and strength and not what he saw in the world that he lived in the moment. And so he says, um, and you, O God, who did not go out with armies, give us help from trouble for help, for the help of man is useless. And, and God in this situation is reminding David that uh, nobody helps you when you handle the lion and the bear as a young man and you attack them and kill them. No one was out there on the battlefield when it was just you and Goliath. No one was your helper when Saul was chasing you and wanting to kill you because he was so jealous of you. And as, as David goes through the victories of the past and as he starts thinking about, and then God anointed him king over the southern kingdom, and then he had to war against the household of Saul and he made him king of the, over the northern portions of the country and he consolidated David's power and notice. Nobody is doing that for David except for God. No one is, is bringing that about except for God himself. And so as he's going through step by step, each thing in his life, and then he's looking back and he's going, we've got all these armies coming against us. And the truth is, is that no one can help me and nothing can help us. God is the answer and he's always been the answer. And oftentimes we try to figure out how we're going to go out there and align ourselves with the right groups of people so that we'll be okay. The truth is that for God's people, men aren't our source of help. God is our source of help. Men are not our source of help. God is our source of help. Now, can, can godly men and women provide you counsel? Sure they can. Can they, can they give you encouragement? Sure they can. Can they help point you in direction? Sure they can. But are, who is ultimately the source of help in our time of need? Who is ultimately the source of help when all things seem to be going totally astray? And the truth is, no man is a source of help in that. Though God will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. And notice David finally reaches the end of the, as he goes through this whole mitchum, as he goes through mitchum, as he goes through those whole, this whole thing, he finally gets to the place where he remembers. The truth is, in this whole process of life that I've lived, and the whole process of life that we all live, that when we're trying to find help in our time of need, the truth is that through God, we will do valiantly. Notice, not through men, but through God, we will do valiantly. What does that mean? We'll be victorious but we will be gallant in, in our victory. We will, be, we will be regaled in our victory because through God, victory is complete and eternal. And so he says, through God, we will do valiantly for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. And the truth is that even when you think you have won something yourself, it was God behind you who was winning it the whole time. Even when you think you're victorious, the truth is it's all victories from sinful, broken, limited human beings. All spiritual and physical victories come from him 
Because really, he's the only source of victory. There is no source of victory other than him. And so if you're looking for help in this, like in the first three verses, these times of trouble, if you're looking for help in these times of difficulty, if you're looking for an answer from within the world and the world system, it's not going, you're, you're not going to get that. God steps in and wins amazing, unbelievable, un, seemingly unattainable victories. God is the one who does that, not us. For it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Notice, God's the one who handles these things. And as the last psalm for this week, and as CNN will continue to put out their propaganda and the things that they want to say to us, I would say to you today, I would say to you that, that you trust in God and allow him to be the source of your victory and strength. And that you look around you and see the troubles of the day and realize that we've been carried through many, many, many other troubles in history past. And most of those troubles, far worse than the troubles of the moment of the hour today. And uh, the powers of darkness that are arrayed against us are far less than the armies and the power of our God who is surrounding us. As we go through today, I hope I, I've given you a little bit of a word of peace. Do not allow your emotions and do not allow the issues of the moment or the hour to overcome what you know about your God and what you know about he's doing for you and at work with you in the world we live in today. And that's the message of today, that God is for us. And if he be for us, who can stand against us? As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.